This is their uniform, the silver asbestos flame suit, protection against the ever-present danger of fire. The heat of a 200-horsepower engine pushed to 1,400 horsepower is enough to turn aluminum pistons into molten metal. Add to this the mask and respirator, protection against the asphyxiating fumes of the highly volatile fuels. Give me good kisses like that what? Honey, don't you know I'm gonna give them right back That's a kiss and get away 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 Mess around and fall in love start these things i always feel kind of weird like i have to look down every time i do my intro so <laughs> forgive me uh hey guys welcome back to napalm nanny in the shack i am your host the one the only napalm nanny and for this episode of napalm and friends i have one of my good friends dane matsubara on this episode who has this really really intimate relationship with cars and with cars comes music so I sent you a couple of questions in regards to your relationship with custom car culture, which is this really fascinating world where, I mean, cars are this monstrosity, essentially. They, they aren't just for convenience, they are for style. Or how would you describe it? Yeah, I mean, like for your average Joe, right? A car is just get me from place to place and then maybe be as comfortable as possible, right? Or as reliable as possible. Like, I think that's your average person, or that's what I see every day, like my normal nine to five job. But for your car enthusiast, a car is like something totally different, right? The car is the avenue that you can 
express yourself, right? It's, you know, I want to have a fast car, or I want to have the coolest looking car, or the lowest car, or the car that gets all the chicks, or, you know, whatever it is. The car is totally different. It's, it's kind of like uh, we mentioned earlier, it, it's, a, it's a big waste of money, you know? <laughs> so. No, it's definitely, well, we, we had a small conversation before we started recording, and we mentioned how the podcast and how custom cars are essentially a labor of love. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense, but we throw so much of ourselves into it. And then what's interesting about your relationship with cars is how it's generational. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you want to give us a rundown of how it started for you and your family. Yeah, well... I guess the way it started for me didn't necessarily have anything to do with my family, but I guess I'll start with my family's background. My grandpa used to race professionally locally in Southern California, and then kind of as he became more professional, was able to expand into a wider national network. I actually have one of his old race cars right now that I went and found a, a few years ago and brought back from Mississippi, and I'm kind of would that be uh, snowballing it or whatever it's called, like in the corner, just until I get all this stuff together to put it together. What kind of car is it, if you don't mind me asking? It's a Fiat. Um, so it's a really weird car. But back in the 60s, it was really popular to build a uh, fuel altered, which is the smallest car you could build with the biggest engine you could put in it. So normally guys would build, you know, like a dragster and it's just like a long bunch of tubes and the guy sits really far back and it's meant to be the fastest car you could build. But some people wanted their cars to be, yeah, I don't need like 10 feet of car. I only need, you know, 100 inches of car, but all the same power and all the same stuff. So they're really popular back in the day because it was so small and because it had so much power, it was like really wild. Like they do giant wheelies or they do giant burnouts or the guy would drive all over the course. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, my, my grandpa used to drag race from, you know, the 60s into the 70s. And then um, his son, my dad, um, would go with him as a kid to kind of do what kids did in that era when their dads were drag racers is they would go and they do all the kids stuff, right? Is like wiping the wheels down or help packing the parachute or cleaning stuff, you know, kind of stuff that didn't really make the car go faster, but was stuff that made the car look nicer that no one wanted to do. So my dad would go all across the country with them. And uh, once he got a little bit older, he got into cars. He was of what we would call like the mini truck era. So little trucks that were customized and souped up and stuff. And um, so he was into that. How I got into the cars is actually totally different. I also grew up around the cars. My grandpa, he never mentioned drag racing when I was a kid. Um, my dad didn't have his mini trucks. Like he just had normal cars. But him, you know, having a mechanical background, he would have me help him change the oil or do stuff like that on his cars. And I, to be honest, I hated it. I thought it was like the most boring thing. And which is ironic because as a kid, I loved mechanical things. Like I like building things. I like seeing how things work. And but for whatever reason, cars like did not interest me and so um when i got into middle school i started reading like these adventure books and the main character always drove like a classic car and then all of a sudden i was oh that's cool and then um around the same time uh, i started thinking like oh cars are neat and oh man my grandpa has that picture of race cars in his office like it's kind of weird you know and uh maybe they're related and then so I, i keep looking at the picture and now it's more interesting yeah they found one of his race cars you know in i think the early 2000s we went to a big drag race in a Bakersfield and I got to see it and then it just blew my mind. I was like, oh wow, there's hot rods and 
dragsters and stuff and you know this is totally totally cool you know so just real 180 so books are definitely a big influence on people it definitely is so currently what kind of car do you have several i actually have too many cars um i have a 1930 model a pickup truck um it was built in the late 50s early 60s as far as i can tell um that one i'm getting close to finishing it um i kind of any did everything had been parked since the 70s so that one's kind of pretty close to the end. And then um, I have a 1941 Studebaker that was meant to be a clone of a car my grandpa raced before he got really famous. And then I'd started kind of souping it up and all this stuff and cutting it and all. I got it most of the way there and then I found the the real car, you know. And then I said, uh, forget the Studebaker. So if anyone wants to buy a Studebaker, I have one for sale. I will be tagging your Instagram. So if anyone has a Studebaker, you can yeah. find his Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly.
your response to my first question as far as your relationship and your family's relationship with cars, mm. you did mention the Lions drag strip in Long Beach, California. Mm. And because I'm a nosy person, I ended up Googling it and I found mm. that your grandpa actually raced in the last race in 1972. And then yeah. I found other great photos of your grandpa and your dad, which I, I, I thought they were really sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's classic. Um, there's a photographer guy that I know really well. He's an old timer and he collects all these old pictures and I don't know where he finds them. But um, he'll print them out and he'll show them to me whenever I see them. And then he had this one great picture of a... I think it's the car I have now. I, I, I don't recall, but um, it shows my grandfather, his teammate, one of the guys that used to help him work with the car all the time. And then my dad, when he's a little kid, just standing on the ground, like, you know, looking at his shoes or something. But uh, it, it's kind of crazy. I mean, in that era, the guys, you know, it was not, I just watched Drag Racing before this interview. Uh, it was not the era of big, giant, like, multi-million dollar teams. It was guys that, you know, my grandpa had a pool cleaning business and his partner, he modified engines. You know, he built racing engines and that was it. I mean, they were average guys, you know, average incomes and then they were able to have a car but you know it meant that you had to work on the car yourself so it's kind of an interesting picture because i you don't see too many pictures of teams in that era where they're just kind of like okay we'll stand and we'll pose for a picture you know usually you see pictures of guys in the era and they're drinking a beer or smoking a cigarette and then like taking the engine apart or something like that right or, or wiping you know oil off the motor or something like that so it's kind of interesting you know obviously it's pretty neat to see you know, my grandpa and my dad and all these guys that, you know, back in their glory days or whatever you would call it. That is pretty cool. I definitely have a ton of pictures. <laughs> uh, so this leads me to my next question as far as car culture, because you said that your the culture of when your grandpa was involved was more for the average Joe. Mm. And I think that is still a theme that you see with car culture today, I yeah. want to say. I mean, granted, yeah. I don't know much. But with car culture comes music. Mm. So I kind of want to see your perspective as far as the relationship with music and cars. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I guess the obvious place you could start, right, is like there are tons of songs about cars, right? One thing to point out, though, is that, you know, like Rocket 88, right, is considered one of the first rock and roll songs. It's about, I don't know, late 40s, early 50s Oldsmobile, right? That was like at that time the hottest car you could find so it's kind of i think it's interesting that you know what some people might say is the first rock and roll song also happens to be one of the first car songs you know what i mean so and i think it just shows that you know that period of post world war ii and then all the way up to the 60s right with all the beach boys songs uh, you know little deuce coop and stuff like that it just shows like that era of the mid 20th century like was so car centric it's interesting, like, if you watch films like American Graffiti and then you, you kind of hear things about, like, interviews George Lucas has done about it, music was, like, such a big part of the car scene back then where, you know, like, you get a car and then you go cruising, right? So when you go cruise, you want to listen to the radio. So it's kind of interesting how, at least for from my perspective, I didn't live it, the youth culture, cars, and music were so intertwined. Um, and then flash forward to today, where obviously we don't really listen to the same kinds of music, but if you're into the old car thing, then it seems like there's probably a good chance you listen to the old music. You know, you kind of want to like... Um, kind of like emulate. 
certain yeah point. yeah yeah exactly like or for i don't know simulate would be the right word like you get to be like oh, i'm driving in my you know 1950s car and i'm listening to the 1950s music or i'm listening to a new rockabilly band but they kind of sound like you know old rockabilly bands from the 50s or something like that so it's kind of interesting i mean and then you go to car show right and there's always some rockabilly band or surf you know ventures type of band playing there or something like that and and then off tangent but there's a lot of like punk rock guys that also happen to be big hot rod guys you know so kind of interesting i mean it's hard to not be into cars and have music somehow be a part of that no yeah i definitely see it uh, especially considering that the radio has been such an integral part in cars mm. i personally cannot drive if i don't have music playing like i, <laughs> I do not want to be left alone with my thoughts <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting like as far as the history of car radios they initially wanted to start putting uh victrolas mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in cars yeah and then it just like slowly god i had an episode where i did the history and i wish i could just yeah like, yeah, yeah. i remember that one. yeah well i mean at, at one point right like it's kind of weird where in the 1930s right they start advertising like you could order your car with the radio and it wasn't standard equipment and then in the 19 i don't know 50s now, obviously, radios are a little bit more prevalent, but I think you could still get cars without radios at that point. But it's almost like they kind of went backwards a little bit where they started selling like, oh, now you can have a record player in your car. But I guess it's the equivalent today of like having a CD player or something in your car, right? Yeah. You don't want to wait for your song to come on the radio and say, well, I'm just going to, you know, destroy my record because those machines weren't very good and the car goes over a bump and it puts a big old scratch in your record. So I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know if it'd be worth it they're completely relying on the car's like stability right so like you'd have to be super defensive i guess and like dodge every pothole and your springs and shots would have to be super good you definitely can have it in a hot rod or something right your all your records would be destroyed they'd probably be broken in your machine oh without a doubt (laughs) then it's interesting because we mentioned how with car radios how we go forward and then a little back and same thing with Mm. cars we Mm. are modernizing cars but yet we still look back and there's an entire culture surrounding it Mm. but i'm curious what your two cents are as far as the future of custom cars i don't know it's i think there always be custom cars right because there's always gonna be like a small population of people in the greater you know just general public that like their cars too much you know so they want to make their car individual or whatever they want to do. And I also think that goes for the old car thing. You know, there's custom cars as a whole, right? There are people that modify brand new cars, but I think there'll always be an appreciation for the old cars, just the way they look, or maybe the nostalgia of it, or the the history behind it. I think people always, those cars will always be there. You know, it definitely seems that way now. I mean, um, there's like several models of car now that haven't been made for 70, 80 years and yet there's more of them on the road now than there were new you know so there's definitely people like that out there and it seems like it's hard to tell if it's growing or not my big question is always okay is it old people who had these cars back when they were young that they're keeping them alive now or is it younger generations who maybe can't really don't have a direct connection to the car but they're still like going out of their way to restore them or whatever they acquire them so it sounds kind of morbid, but I am curious what happens when these like older generation people die off. Will the classic car hobby still be as big, you know, or what will it look like? Will there be a bunch of millennial people, right, driving old cars around? So we'll yeah. see. <laughs> 
Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Nighttime would find me in Rose's Cantina, music would play and Felina would whirl. Blacker than night were the eyes of Felina, wicked and evil while casting a spell. My love was deep for this Mexican maiden I was in love but in vain I could tell One night a wild young cowboy came in Wild as the West Texas wind Dashing and daring a drink he was sharing With wicked Felina, the girl that I love So in anger, I challenged his right for the love of this maiden. Down put his hand for the gun that he wore. My challenge was answered in less than a heartbeat. The handsome young stranger lay dead on the floor. Out through the back door of roses I ran. Out where the horses were tied. Up on its back and away I did ride Just as fast as I could From the West Texas town of El Paso Back to the badlands of New Mexico Back in El Paso my life would be worthless Everything's gone in life, nothing is left It's been so long since I've seen the young maiden My love is stronger than my fear of death I saddle up and away I did go Riding alone in the dark Maybe tomorrow a bullet may find me Tonight nothing's worse than this pain in my heart And at last here I am on the hill overlooking El Paso I can see Rose's cantina below My love is strong and it pushes me onward Down off the hill to Felina I go Off to my right I see five mounted cowboys Off to my left right a dozen Shouting and shooting, I can't let them catch me I have to make it to Rose's back door Something is dreadfully wrong for I feel A deep burning pain in my side Though I am trying to stay in the saddle I'm getting weary, unable to ride But my love for Felina is strong And I rise where I've fallen Though I am weary, I can't stop to rest I see the white puff of smoke from the rifle I feel the bullet go deep in my chest From out of nowhere, Felina has found me Kissing my cheek as she kneels by my side 
Cradled by two loving arms that I'll die for One little kiss and Felina Well, I mean, I don't have any other questions. Do you have any final words that you want to say about music or the custom car culture? Nothing I can think of. I mean, I think if you, you know, I do have a, I do have one thing I could say. I think that some people get intimidated by the old car thing because they say like, you know, I don't know how to do this or the car seems like really, what would that be, primitive and things like that. Like I can't relate to it, but I always tell people we have the advantage of the internet on our side and YouTube and things like that. And like some kid in the 50s made that car work. You know what I mean? And like he had nothing to go off of, right? He didn't have YouTube videos or, or you know, uh, blogs to go off of online. Like he just kind of went for it, right? And like sometimes it wasn't for the better. Sometimes it was for the worse. But um, I don't know. I, I think that that spirit is still as relevant today as it was 70 years ago. I think people shouldn't be so scared of it, which isn't to say people should build like dangerous cars or anything, but. Disclaimer. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. don't come to me and say, oh, hey, uh, this guy on the podcast said I could just drive a car and I don't know how brakes work. So I just went for it. He said, go for it. <laughs> But it can definitely oh, yeah. be intimidating because there is a sense of exclusivity. It's kind of cliquish. It's, I mean, overall, it is intimidating, but those are encouraging words. And, you know, thank you. Yeah. Um, and girls should totally be a part of it, too, right? I, I always feel so bad when I, like, talk to girls and they're like, oh, man, you know, I want to get into the car thing, but there's just no girls that do it, right? Or, like, I feel like it's a guys club type of thing, but it really... There's no reason that it should be that way. You know, it's just guys are predominantly into cars, but I have yet to see a rule that says girls can't drive or work on or build old cars, you know, so. And then there's to say um, that there are a couple of girl car clubs out there. Yeah. Top of that, I remember there's a museum in El Segundo, California, where oh, yeah. they specifically the Automotive Driving Museum. Yep. And I believe it was on Sundays that they invited women to come work on the the car that they had in the garage. I forgot yep. what year their truck was, but yeah. they were teaching girls how to build it, how to customize yeah. it, how to give them the basics so they can go off and get yeah. that same world themselves. Yeah, and I think that's cool. You know, there, there should be a way for if girls feel like, oh, this is intimidating or something that... There should be a way for it's like, okay, it's no pressure. You know, you could try it out and then they could get their feet away and say, oh, you know, I could do this. If some dumb boy can do it, some girl can do it just as easily, right? So, because <laughs> yeah. these guys are knuckleheads. So. <laughs> I, in my head, it, there's probably more good female mechanics than there might be good guy mechanics. So, that's coming from a dumb guy mechanic, too. So, <laughs> but I have a question for you now. Oh, go for it. What would your ultimate car be? Oh, damn. I mean, like, I'm not very good at cars. This is coming from a person, this is so embarrassing, where I fixed my car with a hammer <laughs> twice. So you're asking the wrong person as far as my dream car, but I can, I guess I can kind of describe something off the top of my head. Yeah. I want something glamorous, pink. I do, I guess they're called like teardrop uh, oh. lights. Like, I uh, really love those. Yeah. But I, above anything else, I want a really sick sound system. <laughs> I want to like roll roll down the street and I want to play my music. I 
Yeah. Want to drown out the world? I. Yeah. Well, how else can you listen to Napalm Nanny in the without <laughs> having a sound system to listen to it too, right? So. No, definitely. See, thank you for <laughs> understanding. Maybe you could have a, a mobile Napalm Nanny studio. You know what? That's actually a dream. I've been looking into old school buses to create a shack mobile. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. And I would want to sell uh, used books, records, and then also have a space where I can take it on the road and I can record from there. Yeah. Have guests that I randomly come across and, you know, creepily invite them onto my bus and (laughs) and interview them. Um, So if there's any sponsors out there, I did mention the LT automotive driving music. you guys hear this <laughs> the ladies fixing that truck I don't know if they still are uh, yeah. gift me a bus or yeah. some form of help you know, <laughs> I'm not in a position to say no <laughs> maybe you could start a napalm nanny cart club or something like that right we all get matching jackets guys That's a <laughs> we just have to decide if they're going to be black jackets or light colored jackets right? are we the the good guys or the bad guys and we can like interchange like it depends on our mood (laughs) and they coordinate our our finger snapping so we're we don't look like bozos out there yeah lord forbid Uh, (laughs) then no one's gonna take it seriously it doesn't matter how much free candy you offer them they're never getting on that bus so yeah that'll do it but um
Thank you so much for coming on and doing this episode. I really find your relationship with music and cars fascinating. So thank you so much for giving me a bit of your time. No, no problem. I'm happy to be here. And so till next week, thanks for tuning in, guys. 